Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here today to discuss Fulham playing Wolves this weekend. Well, Friday night, in fact. Um, a, a big game for both teams. More so for Fulham, though, as they sit just outside the top five. A win takes us past the 40-point mark, which is the intended mark for safety, although I think we can safely say that we are safe from relegation, which, which is a lovely feeling to have uh, with 15 games still to go in the season. Here to discuss it with me, I have Elton. How are we going today? Oh, very well, thank you. Very well, good to be here. So let's get straight into it. Fulham playing Wolves this weekend, Friday night game under lights at Craven Cottage. Uh, Dad, how do you see this one playing out and how do you see how Fulham are going so far this season now that we're sort of coming off the back of that smashing grab against Brighton? I mean, it shouldn't be a game we're concerned about, um, but obviously we're somewhat under our own pressure to now keep keep the momentum up and keep acquiring points because our our sixth position is wonderful but i guess a little little precarious because we've got quite a lot chomping at our heels and the you know the teams above us aren't exactly going to be dropping lots of points and giving us mm. an opportunity to overtake them so the pressure is kind of a different sort of pressure we're, we're, we're very used to a relegation pressure, and that's been, it's been I, I guess, the focus of nearly everyone's attention for so long now. But I really think it's quite funny, and I had to laugh when you mentioned that we think 40 points is now the, 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 uh, the safety zone. Surely but surely we don't have to have this conversation anymore. <laughs> surely, surely we are safe. Well, uh, it's a, it's an interesting one because Marco Silva has always said, you know, avoid relegation, avoid relegation. That's our aim for the season. And, I mean, mathematically, I think you could still go down with 40 points. Um, uh, I've seen a table that uh, I think it's Cottage Analytica put on um, on Twitter every week after we play, uh, after the whole weekend's worth of fixtures. And um, it's it's basically a graph showing our progress through the season and, it's great to see how far ahead we are of our best ever season. Um, but that that sort of mathematical point where we are officially safe is still actually sitting up at about 60 points. So mathematically, we're not safe. But in terms of historical data, I think we are safe now. And we can probably stop talking about it. And um, I don't know if you saw a little interview with Bobby Reid during the week where he he sort of said, you know, the guys in the camp are thinking about Europe. Like, it's actually on the table now. And... I know we, we're constantly saying safety first, safety first, 40 points, 40 points, but um, it is definitely a conversation that they're having within the camp that we've all been having for a long time now. Um, so it, the, there is definitely a, a shifting mindset at the moment, which is kind of good. But it's a, it's a good point you pick up that 
um, you know, this is this is an important game because the teams below us, we if you look at the table itself, you see Fulham sitting on 38 points. Brighton, Liverpool and Brentford all have games in hand over us and they're all on 35 points. So they're just three points behind us at the moment. That That's one win with uh, Brighton and Liverpool both have two games in hand. Brentford have one game in hand. So it's not like we're sitting pretty in six at the moment and we're miles ahead of the pack. Um, if you lose games like this, which we should be winning, you really do drop off and you can drop down the table quite quickly. We could easily slip to ninth this weekend uh, if we lose and Brighton, Liverpool and Brentford all get good results, which is yeah. very possible. So we do yeah. have to make sure we keep on picking up points in these games because we don't want to slip down the table. And, you know, I, I think even just mentally, it's it's good to see yourself sitting in sixth constantly. If you're sitting in ninth, it feels much more of a mid-table position. But, you know, we're, we're three points off fifth, four points off fourth. Um you know, we, we have to start thinking about a European push at, at the very least because we're in we're in a position to do so. There's only 14 games left this season. I don't see why you wouldn't push to actually go for a European spot and and make these games even more important than the ones against the Big Six. It, it's it's really important, and I think we're no different to every single Fulham fan, possibly everyone in the Fulham camp, to look at that table absolutely delight in the fact that we are sixth, really mm. enjoy it, uh, enjoy the success that we're having and sort of ma- almost manifest the fact that we are there, we deserve to be there, the numbers don't lie, we didn't steal any points, although Brighton might argue, but we didn't actually technically nick any points. We earned all of them fairly and squarely. There was a ref in every game. We didn't just go out and play the blind school. And so, look, we, we know we know by those games in hand that it's a slightly false position. But that's okay. It's it's okay. In in a way, you, you, you're ahead of the pack, even though you know that they're coming for you. But you can take a view that, okay, I deserve to be there, but if I keep playing and keep keep actually... Um, picking up three points, they can't catch me every week. So I stay in sixth position for longer and longer and longer. And suddenly it's the first to blink or falter. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all about consistency now. And I, I said it last week, what we have done this season um, above everything else is be really consistent. And so I, I back us to keep doing it. We've got more depth, and I love I love the fact that Marco Silva manages the the expectations around the team in the media, and keeps talking about it from a week to week perspective, and keeps everyone else's focus on a week to week perspective, and doesn't let anyone get too carried away. If he was talking it up, trust me, the media would pick up on it, and we would be mm. that team that everyone is spruiking and wanting to write about. And I think it's really smart that he keeps it completely reined in. But you have to believe that those players know better than anyone else what's going on. They can see how competitive they are when they come Mm. up against the top half teams. And they'll be thinking, we can do this. We can absolutely do this. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I'll elaborate a little bit on a point you made there as well. We do, the points are on the board already. We have 38 points. We're not getting points taken away from us. And the teams below actually have the pressure on them to win those games to catch up to us. Absolutely. The pressure Perfect. is actually off us because we've already got the points on the board. And now it's just about continuing to get good results and at least match what the teams below us are doing. The pressure's on Brighton, Liverpool and Brentford to actually pick up those points because if they lose that game, they go, okay, shit, we don't have our game in hand anymore and we're three points behind. Totally. So the each game for, for Brentford, Liverpool, Brighton and even Chelsea, I guess, as well, who are seven points behind us now, um, the pressure's going to be there for the rest of the season to pick up totally. those, those games. And, you know, those games are going to be played in the coming weeks as well, depending on FA Cup fixtures, I believe. So we, we expect the table in a couple of weeks' time will actually um, be a lot more even. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but all the teams, well, most of the teams who've played 24 games now are in the top top six. You've got um, City, United and Tottenham Hotspurs have all played 24. So the teams above us don't have those games in hand over us anymore. And we're actually, I mean, we're only four points behind Tottenham having played the same number of games. And Newcastle will surely be looking over their shoulder. And a few guys from the Newcastle podcast uh, were interacting with us a bit on Twitter saying, you know, we Newcastle fans are genuinely looking over their shoulder at the moment because Fulham are three points behind. Um, and if Newcastle lose that game in hand, Fulham have a, an opportunity to actually catch up a bit of ground there. And it could be interesting going towards the end of the season as to as to where both of those sides stand. Um, totally. Let's skip forward anyway and, and look at the last time these two teams played. I'll just pull up a a little image on uh, for our live streamers here. Um, and, and this is a really interesting image. And, and obviously the last time we played, it was a nil-nil draw. Mitro missed a penalty late on in that game. There were chances for both sides. It was very open. But the image that I've got up on screen here of our lineup that finished the game. So admittedly, it's, it's manipulated a little bit. It's not our starting lineup, but the team we had out there at the end of the game. Just to sort of make a couple of points on, on who was out there, we had Rodak in goal, Mbabu at right back. We had Tyrese Francois playing through the middle. On the wings, we had Kenny and Stansfield. Now, if you told me any of those players were starting a game in the Premier League at the moment, I mean, some of them aren't even at the club anymore. Three of them aren't at the club. They're out on loan or have left. Um, Kenny is probably the only person who you'd expect to be there because he's he's quite a solid bench player for us. But Rodak is obviously second choice keeper now. It just goes to show how far we've come. And we have made mention of it a few times on the podcast recently about the depth Fulham now have, having made a couple of acquisitions. This game was mid-August, so there was a, still a bit of time to go in the transfer window. And we've obviously picked up a couple of players since as well. But looking at how settled this team is now, I forgot to mention Tosin at centre-back there as well, obviously, um, sits on the bench more often than not, as Diop's probably the preferred centre-back partner. But, Dad, your thoughts? It's just really interesting to see. Uh, I mean, it's kind of staggering to see the team we put out. Obviously, Stansfield was having a really good start at the start of the season, but compare the wingers there of Kenny and Stansfield to Willian slash Solomon slash Decodover-Reed and even Wilson. I think Wilson and Solomon were both injured at this point in the season, so very, very different. Um just how far have we come since the 13th oh. of August, 2022? Oh, tremendously. And um, 
I, and I think perhaps the the greatest net effect of all of this is the the strength and depth we've got on the bench. So it's the options we have, not only from a tactical perspective to put a starting lineup together, but also the options we have as the game progresses for Silver to make a tactical change and actually make a difference. And um, it, it's you might only be talking about three or four players, uh, but it's very very significant. And I, I and you you know you th- a bit of a throwaway comment about Tosin, but honestly, Tosin being replaced by Diop has had a very very significant effect, not mm. only in terms of goals conceded, but in terms of the uh, what's the right word for it? Oh, just 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 the collective performances of our our backline, and that includes Leno in that pack. It's mm. it's it's very very significant. I think I'm going to say that um, Harrison, Reed, and Polina have also developed their game very very significantly, and they're a very tight partnership now. We're missing Kenny Tete there in BDR on the right. We're missing the the link up of of Robinson and Willian on the left. These are very high functioning partnerships now. Uh, mm. and not to mention Pereira um, together with the wingers and Mitro. The, these are these are enormous um, points of success for this Fulham team. So I think that's a really significant slide, actually, that not only reminds us of a few faces who we're either never likely to see again or we don't see virtually ever, but um, it's it's a huge change from where we were a few months ago. Massive. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll make the point, this isn't attempted clickbait, but I will make the point that in that game, Pereira, Cabano, Decodover, Reed, and Tete all did start. But I think the, the point I'm trying to make with this slide is, is how far we've come in terms of depth. Uh, you know, uh, Mbabu wouldn't be there. We'd see Cedric Suarez there. Um, Francois wouldn't be there. We'd see Lukic. Stansfield and Kenny wouldn't be on the wings. We'd have Solomon and Wilson coming on. Um, and obviously you'd and have William. Leo in goal as well. And, and well, I assume William and BDR would probably be starting the game. So yeah, okay. um, it, it's just a, a point to make that we're such a better unit now. I mean, this team, if you look at it like this, they're never going to be, well, I mean, they were competitive still in the Premier League, but they're never going to be world beaters and they're not going to be playing at the same standard that the current side is playing at. Um, and that's kind of the point I'm, I'm trying to make here is just how far we've come and how much stronger we are as a unit now and how how much better we know our starting 11 and what our strongest team is. Because I think we were still trying to work it out at the start of the season with some of the new additions. And it feels like we're very settled now. And the I guess the, the best thing about the fact that we're so settled is we're seeing consistency because of that as well. So it's just something I wanted to raise and, you know, that that game we played against Wolves last time was was quite scrappy. There were quite a few big chances for Wolves that they missed. They've missed a couple of open goals that they should have scored in. Um, they've lost a few players since then as well. I, I know uh, Gibbs White was playing for them, and so was Dendonka. They've obviously moved. I think Gibbs White's at Nottingham Forest now. He was one of their most dangerous players on the day as well, from memory. And Dendonka's moved to Aston Villa as well. So there's been a few changes for them, and and I expect the team that played that day will be very different to the team we expect to see on Friday night as well. Um, 
Let's have a quick look at the last five for both teams. Obviously, we know Fulham on a really good run at the moment, uh, unbeaten in the last five uh, in the league, unbeaten in the last three, and having conceded no goals as well. Three clean sheets in a row in the league is um, outstanding. I, I had a quick look, and in the last nine league games, which is since the World Cup, Fulham have conceded just four goals. Now, for a side, I remember in the early podcast when we started this podcast back in October, November kind of time, we were really worried about the defence because we were leaky. Um, we were having a lot of games where we'd have to score three goals to get a result uh, and still conceding two most weeks. It's a very, very different story now. Um, and then looking at Wolves, they had obviously a really good result against Liverpool. The Southampton result, they did go down to 10 men, still got a 2-1 win, but um, it was a pretty scrappy game. And obviously Southampton in terrible form at the moment. I think they sacked their manager straight after that game. Um, but, you know, they've had a couple of tough games as well against Man City and Liverpool and uh, recently lost to Bournemouth, who are also struggling in the league. That was a, a bit of a smash and grab from Bournemouth that week. Um, Dad, your thoughts on the, the form of the two sides going into this one? Obviously, Fulham sitting much higher up the table than Wolves. Um, but do you think those wins against Southampton and Liverpool will give Wolves a bit of a boost, especially coming off the back of a disappointing loss to Bournemouth? I think the... 3-0 victory over Liverpool is astonishing, really. Mm. Um, and I, I, I never watched that game, so I don't know much about what happened there. But it's an outlier, and it, and it certainly jumps out at me for, for where Wolves are actually sitting and what their overall achievement is. So that's, it, it tells you that, well, firstly, they can score three goals in a game against pretty handy side and I know I know I've heard that Liverpool were terrible on that day but you still got to get you know three goals past a Premier League sure. defense so that's not that's not a nothing result and no. so I guess that that's uh, that's in my vision at the moment um but look I think uh, I'm not anxious our form is really good we're consistent uh, we have a lot of options, um, you know, a ton of options in midfield. I love the fact that we're having this regular and very active discussion at the moment about who should start and Manasol Man Manor Solomon. I have to keep reminding myself that that is the correct pronunciation of his pronunciation of his name. Um, but uh, look, our form's great at the moment. Our only Concern is a non-firing and now injured Mitro, which of course we'd 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 love to have him back and on all four cylinders or maybe eight cylinders. Um, but I think I, I think it would be at home. It would have to be a very very major misfire for for Wolves to to cause us huge problems. Never mm. say never, but. That would be my feeling, and I, you know, I'd, I'd certainly be opening my betting app with that in mind. Yeah, well, I mean, if we look at the season so far, I'll just pop across to the table. Fulham with uh, eleven wins, sitting in sixth, five draws, eight losses, a goal difference of plus five so far this season. Um, one one of the best things, and it doesn't really reflect in the table at the moment, is Fulham have eight clean sheets, which I believe is right up there now. Um, and, you know, I think Nick Pope and maybe 
De Gea and Edison and the only ones who are sort of higher than that, and Ramsdale as well. But we're talking about top four sides um, having the same number of clean sheets or slightly better number of clean sheets than us. That's a really massive improvement considering how not poor sure our defence was at the start of the season, but how leaky we were at the start of the season. Um, to get up to eight clean sheets now is, is a really, really good effort. Um, looking at the lower half of the table, we see Wolves obviously sitting in 15th there. Uh, six wins, five draws, 12 losses. Um, the big thing to point out there is their goal difference, minus 15. Now, Wolves have only scored 17 goals so far this season. That's the equal lowest with Everton and potentially Nottingham Forest as well have scored, I think, 18, maybe 17. Um, that, to me, is a, a massive talking point going into this game, considering um, you know how good Fulham's defence had been so far and the fact that Wolves are really struggling to score goals. Um, Dad, do you think we're likely to see Wolves nick a goal in this one? I know it's it's obviously hard to say because we, if we could predict results, we'd be millionaires. But um, based on the fact that Wolves have struggled throughout this season to score goals, I, I did raise with you earlier that um, Daniel Pudence and Ruben Neves both have five goals each for Wolves. And then across the rest of their team, they've only got a handful of players who've scored more than one goal this season. Uh, compare that to Fulham, who have 12 individual goal scorers in the league this year. Uh, and seem to be scoring not for fun, but at least putting away goals fairly comfortably. Do we feel like Wolves are, are going to struggle to score against a defence that's looking really, really solid at the moment? I think I look at the look at it the other way and go back to that first Sunderland fixture in the cup. And I, I know we didn't have a full strength team out there, but one small concentration you know, failure from Diop um, allowed their winger to nick the ball and hit the net. So Mm. um, tell tell me that any side in the bottom half of the table could not score a goal against us. Not true. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. You know, one piece of brilliance or one... um, just, just one, bla- one mistake, one little lapse in concentration is enough at this level. Mm. Absolutely. So I, I think uh, you look at the stats and you look at our, our run of clean sheets. That's, it's. I'm not going to say it's impressive, but it's, it's really, really encouraging, and it means that it, there's no fluke in that. So you start to believe that we can probably continue to do that you'd have to back us to continue to do that and certainly against a lower what are they the sixth lower side um Mm. you 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 wouldn't expect us to we might drop a goal but it'd be really difficult to imagine us dropping a couple of goals and then you go to a fulham capable of scoring uh, a couple of goals to stay in the game Uh, i think in our last five games we haven't scored more than two goals uh, in the league, yeah. and yeah. it's it's you have to go back a long way to to Fulham scoring more than three goals in the Premier League this season, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're not a high scoring um, team, which always leaves you vulnerable to someone nicking a goal against you and really putting you on the back foot. Particularly if it happens early in the first in the first half, that's a nightmare scenario for me every time. And so I, you know, I always. I, I 
I'm always looking for an early goal from this Fulham team because mm. we're not a high-scoring team. Looking for an early goal in the first half because I think it settles us and changes us completely. If we got a goal against, I'm, I'm going to say, if we got a goal um, against Wolves in the first half, we can manage that. Then they're not going to catch us. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably a fair assessment. Um, you know, I, I think a lot hangs on a couple of things in terms of selection and and the way we play out the game. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit when we go onto the lineups. We, in fact, let's just jump onto the lineups now. Um, now I, I've popped an expected lineup out on on the live stream. Now I've switched out Mitro for Vinicius. Now we did get a bit of news that Mitro had a bit of a hammy complaint, which obviously kept him out of the last game. Um, we did see some vision of him doing some individual training at Motspur Park, but I would expect that he'd miss this game um, and we're likely to see Vinicius start. Considering the impact that Vinicius had when he came off the bench and how ineffective uh, Decadova Reed was up front, again, nothing against him. He was um, being asked to play completely out of position, which he's been asked to do multiple times this season, but it just didn't work. I expect we'll see Vinicius up front. Um, usually we'd be baying for Mano Solomon. I'm thinking if I don't predict him in the lineup, maybe he'll actually get picked for once. Um, <clears throat> but I'm expecting we'll probably see Willian and Decadova Reed start on the wings, and the rest of the team I expect will be exactly the same, unless for some reason Marco sees a need for Tosin over Diop, which he has mentioned that there is a tactical decision there every week. Uh, I just don't know what that tactical decision actually is. Um, so they're, that they're the only changes I expect. Do you see anything different there? Would you expect Solomon to come into the lineup? Oh, I think he's pressing so hard. Um, Absolutely. It, 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 there must be a little thing in the back of the management's mind that come the end of the season, there's there, there's there's a discussion with Manor Solomon. I'm going to force you guys to say his name properly. I'm just going to keep saying Solomon because that's always right. Yeah, it's probably it probably isn't. You know, it's probably some uh, Israeli Solomon. pronunciation, which is yeah. yeah, which is not even Solomon either. Um, but he's pressing so hard, being very respectful, but pressing so hard for a start. Every fan in the Fulham locker, if that's a word or expression, wants him to start. He's so exciting. Everyone loves him at the moment. But gee, William's not so bad either. What a what a great situation to be in. And I'm and I'm thinking, there comes a point where if we don't start him, and he's a bench player for for Fulham, um, how's that going to sit when he is looking for first team starting status as part of his contract to stay at the club at some point? You know, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I look, and I think we we love what Bobby Decadova Reed is doing on the right hand side. But if you if you know, if I if I had to, um, if I had to lose Bobby Decadova Reed, I'm not talking about the future here in terms of longevity. But if I had to choose between Bobby Decadova Reed in my side over William, I'm picking William. And yeah. if why can't William start on the right? And Manor Solomon start on the left, mm -hmm. you know. Well, look, I, I won't. I won't answer those questions straight away because we do have a few questions coming later in the podcast, um, and they do relate a little bit to Solomon. But um, 
I mean, one thing to to mention, I guess, um, Solomon is is in the last two games. He's only played maybe fifteen minutes if you include injury time, because uh, he's come on around the eightieth minute both times, and he scored two goals in that amount of time. He, he is knocking on the door now. Um, and, you know, you have to remember this is a guy who was starting for Shakhtar, keeping Mudrik out of the team who cost Chelsea 60, 80 million, whatever it was, um, and was playing in the Champions League and scoring goals against Real Madrid. So sitting on the bench, you'd assume, is not the place that he wants to be. And we do need to consider that at the end of the season he goes back to Shakhtar. He's only with us for the season. He then has only six months on his contract. Um, we can sign him on a pre-contract at that point or pay Shakhtar money. Um, hopefully we just do whatever we can to get him locked in and he's enjoying his time at Fulham. But to enjoy it even more, if he was a starter, uh, you know, it, it, it seems obvious that we should be doing everything we can to keep him happy because he's such a talented player. And the other thing to consider is Willian is in amazing form at the moment and playing so, so well, but he's not going to be with us for six more years. Whereas someone like Solomon is young and has the ability to be a Fulham player for a long time into the future if we keep him happy and we keep performing. So there is something to to think about there in terms of the future as well. Um, but look, I, I fully expect Marco to keep it, um, keep it the way it is. I'd say Willian and Bobby are both in need of a rest fairly soon as well. So I wouldn't be overly surprised to see either of them get rested at some point in this, in, in the next few games. But, you know, there's important games coming up against Arsenal. If we pick up any points against Arsenal, they're, they're really important for the rest of the season. So it may be that we actually look at resting Willian in games like this. Um, a, an interesting point from Steve here, who's following along on our live stream on YouTube, um, Steve says, remember that Willian's contract is also up at the end of the season. Um, uh, obviously, Willian is, is well, seems to be incredibly happy at Fulham. No one owns a restaurant in the area. Um, when you get to this age, similar to Tim Ream, you, you start to get into the realm of rolling contracts where you just constantly keep signing for another 12 months. Um, I don't see it being likely that we'll put Willian on like a two or three year deal. Um if he's happy where he is and we're happy to have him keep playing, then I think we'll sign him up for another 12 months. I can't see him moving to another club. I know there was news that came out that he was incredibly um, sought after in the January transfer window and a couple of teams in the top six actually came asking after him and his agent said he's really happy where he is and he doesn't want to leave. So I'm hoping at the end of the season it's the same story as well. Uh, but, you know, with Willian and Solomon both effectively no longer Fulham players at the end of the season, you have to tread a bit of a fine line there, I think. And it's something the management definitely have to consider. So I think Marcus Silva's admission that the Bobby Decadova-Reed uh, experiment at striker was not successful and Mitro's almost certain... Exclusion through injury says that Vinicius probably starts. I, yeah. I, I, I I'm, think that's almost a shoe in. Um, the you 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 mentioned Tosin for Diop. I whatever Silver says in press conferences, I see little evidence that there's a rotation policy between Tosin and Diop. I think Diop is now 
preferred regardless of the opposition. Yeah, I don't and, think it's rotation. I think it's Marco said it's tactical. Diop yeah. carries the ball well, but I think Tosin has a better range of long passing. And I think for games where we're going to be playing long, Marco does prefer Tosin because he adds that to the team. I think if you're looking at just keeping a bog standard defense and putting out our best 11, it's Diop and Ream every time. Um, and Tosin's just for those specific instances. I know we saw him play, I think it was at the Chelsea game that he came in and played. Um, and and that was purely tactical. And I mean, Marco's tactical decisions have worked all season. What are you telling me about Harry, Harry Wilson um, in your lineup here? He's not in the lineup. I know. What are you telling me about Harry? He was last week, he started. Yeah, look, I think he started because Decadover Reed went up front. I think if Decadover Reed, if we just started with Vinicius, then Decadover Reed obviously starts on the right. Because um, there are two, at the moment at least, are starting wingers. I don't think Wilson displaces either of them. I don't think he had a terrible game, but yeah, Decadover Reed starts comfortably over Wilson, not so comfortably over Solomon based on his current form. Um, because I think even Solomon out of position would be a, a good option uh, compared to Deckard over Reed. I, I think they're probably on par when Solomon's out of position. Polinia is leading the league table in uh, accumulated yellow cards at the moment, uh, apart from other things. Um, do you think Silver um, makes a tactical move in keeping his powder dry for Polinia against tougher opposition or he plays him anyway? Well, I won't answer that because we'll come to that in our questions a little bit later, but um, it, it on, is I'm, a really... I'm, I'm fully prepared, aren't I? It is, it is a really good point, though, because um, it, we'll, we'll discuss it later because I think it really does need a bit of discussion and it, it all sure. depends on how, how you think you should pick up points for the season. Do we save players for what we think are important fixtures or do we play players just because and always put out your best team? Um, and it also, I guess, hangs a little bit on how he sees Lukic as a backup. If he thinks Lukic is really a Polina backup or is he more of a Harrison Reed backup? Um, you know, can we deal with that Polina for two games by having Lukic come into the team? We, we just don't know yet because he hasn't had the minutes. But I'm sure, realistically, we're going to find out within the next... Uh, no doubt. Eight, eight games? Yeah, eight games. Oh. Because 30, at 32 games, that's <laughs> We're when way before the that. yellow cards reset. Yeah, so uh, we'll, yeah, we'll sure, definitely okay. see, see Lukic. Um, we'll, we'll see him at some point soon, I'm sure. Um, moving on, the Wolves line up. This is what how Wolves lined up in their last game against Bournemouth. Um, fully expect them to line up in a very similar fashion. There might be a couple of changes. I know Bueno at left back is quite young, so it's possible we'll see someone else come in at left back. Um, as as mentioned, Ruben Neves is you know by far and away Wolves' best player. Um, you might want to actually talk through the well. lineup, Jack. You might want to talk through uh, the yeah. lineup here. Yeah, audience. absolutely. I'll, I'll just uh, run through them quickly. We got Saar in goal, Semedo, Dawson, Kilman, and Bueno uh, in defence. Have Neves, Nunes, and Moutinho in midfield. On the wings, we have Traore and Sarabia, and then Kuna up front. Um, yeah, we know about Traore. He scored against us last time we were in the Premier League. 
very, very fast player, went to Barcelona, didn't impress, has come back again. Uh, we know about Ruben Neves, and I think uh, a lot of this game is going to be down to how well Polina and Reed shut down Neves because last time around he he pulled the strings for the whole game, and it'll be interesting to see what we do to shut him down this time round. Uh, Moutinho, very, very accomplished midfielder as well, but like I said, they, they're missing goals at the moment. Neves has five. Daniel Pedence has five as well. He didn't play in the last game. And then no one else has scored more than one goal for them this season. Um, so they're, they're struggling to find goal scorers. If we can cut Ruben Neves out and stop him from getting goals, he's very good from set pieces as well. But I think at that point, if we can um, lessen his impact on the game, we're more likely to get a result out there. Um, so moving on, Jack's top tip. Last time round. Picked the Brighton winner at six dollars. Uh, won everyone a, a pretty penny, hopefully. I know it certainly won you a few dollars. Um, I've gone with a little multi bet here. Um, Fulham to win, both teams to score no, and then Andreas Pereira anytime goal scorer. I think with Mitrovic out of the team, we're going to be looking for goals elsewhere, and I think Pereira has been knocking on the door a few times recently. We saw him with a really good shot against Chelsea. Um, we saw him hit the bar in the Forest game. I think he's he's looking like he's going to get goals soon, and I think this game is going to be the one. Um, both teams to score no. Like I said, Wolves have only scored 17 goals so far this season against the defence who are on the back of three clean sheets and performing really, really well at the moment. I don't see both teams scoring in this one. I only see Fulham goals uh, and a Fulham win. I think Fulham are you know, have to be considered favourites, sixth place playing 15th place. The fact that Fulham aren't out-and-out favourites for this, and I think we're only paying $2.50 or or something along those lines. Um, I, I, I just feel like it could be slightly less than that, but it's we're definitely not, you know, Brighton were paying $1.60 last week. Fulham are mm. definitely in the $2 this week. So mm. um, they're saying it's going to be a lot closer than than I think it personally should be. So... Um, that multi together is paying $11.50, so $10 on wins you 110 back. I think if Pereira can get that goal, this one's a banker. I don't see how Wolves are going to score, and I just feel Fulham are going to come out with this. You could probably change that anytime goal scorer. Pereira, I think, is only paying about $5 for goal scorer. Um, players like Willian paying about $4 will still get you around about that $10 mark for a multi bet. So, um, yeah, look for for those who who like a punt. I'd definitely be chucking ten bucks on that to win you a hundred. Um, yeah, I think that's cash outable as well. So, uh, uh, Dad's nodding his head. I can see he, he quite likes that one for this weekend. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just laughing, and I'm thinking at what point does the Financial Securities uh, Association actually um, knock on our back door and ask us to actually apply for a license? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think when when I when I get four in a row right, they probably have to come looking at some point because uh, yeah, there's there's a little bank account somewhere sitting offshore with thousands of dollars in it. Once I keep racking up these multi bets, but yeah, I mean, look for those who like betting. Obviously, betting is a, a little bit in the news at the moment because uh, I don't know if you saw, but um, I don't know the exact details, so I don't want to go into too much detail about it. But um, I believe the British Parliament have said that. Um, they're going to be passing a law potentially to stop um, 
shirt sponsors being betting companies going forward. They've obviously done it recently with, well, not recently, but in, in the past with tobacco companies and uh, alcohol companies as well. And it looks like betting companies are finally going to be taking off shirts. Um, that obviously that we're talking about, we're talking about betting here. How, how do you feel about that? Because there's obviously a big ethical issue, and I know it got raised at the start of the season when W88 were announced as sponsors. Do you think that betting companies should be allowed to be on shirts, or do you think ethically we shouldn't be actually promoting betting? I know we're doing it on a podcast, but we're not promoting <laughs> betting, gamble responsibly. Um, we're not promoting but, betting. We're just suggesting you put a tenner on it. Look, it's looking at a statistical statistical anomalies here in in uh, <laughs> sponsored by Sportsbet but you know uh, there there is obviously ethical issues and in terms of sponsorship we we're, we're chucking out ideas about multi bets but you know WATA I, are I giving a lot was... of money to Fulham yeah. to be on the front of their shirt and be promoted constantly i i, I thought you were going to reframe it uh you know more more silky than that jack by saying that please, please do for actually... <laughs> Yeah, you're actually just, uh, you know, uh, illustrating the uh, the prevailing view in, in terms of statistics versus exactly how we see it. Exactly what I'm it. doing. Exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Whether or not you bet is is by you know another another issue. Um, look, I, you know, full disclosure, I almost never bet. Uh, it's always funny. I I, I only have a bet when I see a massive arbitrage and a massive like you mean when i tell you to smoking. when when my my son tells me to yeah and um so i think it's interesting and um should look smoking alcohol i'm not going to go into a sermon on the mount here but smoking alcohol um or so i should say tobacco alcohol betting they're all fairly dodgy sort of pastimes uh, for for uh, young children to be considered um, in, in involving in. So, and therefore, you know, when when companies put their moniker on a shirt, it's highly influential to young kids. Highly influential. That's why they do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's. It's it's why cigarette companies forever loved putting um, their logo on a on a helmet, an F one helmet, because yeah. for a couple a couple of hours of primetime TV, um, their uh, their logo is out there. And the same thing on on your your favorite football team. It's huge profile, and you know time in front of a camera influences fans. Mm. So. Should should little kids be influenced um, and encouraged to bet? Of course not. It's ridiculous. Um, so gamble responsibly. And what was the odds again? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I almost feel bad putting it out there now, but look, no, like, look, like I, I think, said, I think it's, we're it's you know, a I think, bit of a laugh. We're, no, we're just I, I think showing seriously. Seriously, I think it's it's more than a laugh. I think it's really interesting because there are people who have paid very handsome salaries. Who were literally, um, you know, statisticians uh, who go who go to incredible lengths to follow the form and put numbers on these um, various odds. And the, the the I mean, the multis are 
sometimes incredible because they, they, they just can't get it right. And I think it is really interesting to look at what the prevailing view is. If you want to have a punt, fine. Uh, we're not pushing it. No one's sponsoring this. But I think I, I, I see no great harm in it and um, <clears throat> in what we're doing. Uh, betting, betting on the front of a shirt that kids buy, eh, it's pretty questionable. Well, look, I mean, personally, I'd prefer to see betting companies off the front of shirts purely because, um, I mean, kids aren't allowed it. I've got two kids now, and um, I really liked the fact when we had World Mobile on the front of the shirt, I could buy it for Alfie, and he'd have the exact same shirt as me, and he loved that. And then you buy the shirt for this season, and it's blank except for a Fulham logo on it. It could literally be a shirt where you just iron on a logo, but instead you pay 10 times the price for it. Um, you know, I, I I would love to see shirts just have normal companies on the front that uh, it's always going to be hard because if you dig really deep, you can always find an issue with some company. But what, Like a pharma company or a, or, you know. or a, a powdered milk company or a... Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but you know what I mean? Just just some something a little bit more ethical than a betting company. But, you know, mm. as you said, the, the reason we put out these these little top tips are more just to look at the statistics of it all and to look at where you can sort of perceive a little bit of value because you see, um, you know, it's just the odds of something actually happening. And we talk about it every every week when we sure. predict results for Absolutely. a game. It's the, the odds Absolutely. of Fulham winning. Um, and we're sticking and we're just to this line, at, by the way. Yeah, well, I've <laughs> got to explain it away somehow. But we're looking at the odds of Fulham winning and the odds of Pereira scoring and how likely yeah. it is to happen. And, I, you know, sure. I, at the end of the day, it's a bit of fun. Gamble responsibly. I think I've said <laughs> that enough to cover our asses now. So <laughs> let's yeah. let's move on anyway. Uh, we got some questions. So we reached out on Twitter and Facebook um, and to a, a couple of little messenger groups as well that we sit in. And uh, we've got some really good questions this week. So let's have a run through them. And I do have an offline answer for Sam to one of the questions because I can tell it was 100% made for Sam. Um, <laughs> let's look at this first one. How do we bring Solomon more into the game while at the same time not nullifying the beauty that is Willian? This is from Rodders on Twitter at Fulham Rod. Dad, how do we bring Solomon into the game? Easy. You start him. Um, <laughs> like I said before, you start him on the left. You start uh, uh, Willian on the, on the right. And it's look, we've we've never tried what everyone believes to be the very, very obvious natural solution here. I want to see it. I really want to see it. I'm ready. I, I agree with that. The the one thing I'd say, I mean, obviously we don't want to nullify the beauty that is Willian. I agree with that. But in doing that, you also pull Decodover Reed out of the side, and he's got such a good understanding with Tete. Both of them have assists this season from the right, and that's because of how well they understand each other. And Willian and Robinson also understand each other perfectly on the left at the moment as well. You are bringing Solomon into the team is <sighs> disruptive is the wrong word, but it kind of is the right word as well. well it because, is. It is. Because it is disruptive to the system that we play. I think he can still slot into it, but you know these guys have played the last 24 games together. And are really getting a good understanding of how we, how they move and how they how they play, and we we do see when players come into the team that don't regularly start, 
how hard it is for them to actually settle because they just everyone this is such a tight group and everyone knows where each other's going to be at all times they don't even have to look up most of the time um and you bring solomon in um and I, I think there's a potential for a bit of disruption there and that's my only worry with it i think solomon is incredibly talented and i'd love to see more of him but i think that might be a little bit of an issue that we have to be a little bit careful of and we have to have to manage what what i will put to you though is well can i can i just say can i say maybe there's a massive case for leaving William on the left and saying to Solomon, because even when he does come on, they tend to float and they do swap around. And yeah. so I don't, think it's, I don't think it's out of his wheelhouse for him to appear on the right. And maybe you say to him, the opportunity is to make it your own on the right. There's, hmm. also, a, there's also a defensive issue uh, uh, that Bobby and um, Kenny Tete bring that's working very, very well at the moment, and so, but may, but maybe the, the the Wolves game is the game to try it out when you don't feel like Kenny's going to be stretched, and Bobby doesn't have to be assisting or being mindful of that, and can and so so Solomon can play a little bit more freely because he's he's not a Bobby Decker over Reed in terms of what he he does defensively. He's not he's not. I, I wouldn't say he's a lazy defender because I think he's already proved that he's gone back and done a lot of work in defence, mm. but he's not the Bobby and Kenny Tete show. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say, the other consideration is we look at Tom Kenny and how we see Tom Kenny as a player who comes off the bench and influences games. Uh, why can't Solomon be the same? Uh, I know he's probably too talented to be just a bench player who comes off the bench to to influence the last 15 minutes, but is there not the possibility that he comes on a little bit earlier in games, maybe the 60th minute for one of the wingers, and that's his role, is to come on and just provide this spark? Because we can see he comes on with 10 minutes to go and scores goals. Why Why not keep him as a bench player? Because he's so good off the bench. I mean, if you don't do that, you have, if you start him and have Deca Dover Reed coming off the bench, does Bobby have the same impact coming off the bench as Solomon currently does? And if not, then shouldn't Bobby start and Solomon be that bench player who can come on and change a game for you? I can't argue with your logic. Have you got like a, a, a an angry bird in the background of your house there? I do. Apologies. <laughs> I think maybe the high cut filter will sort that out on the edit. <laughs> um, but anyway, these microphones are incredible. They they actually lose such a lot, but it's not losing that. But um, I'll close the window. What, look, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> what? Look, I, I maybe it comes down. I can't argue with your logic, but maybe it comes down to simply this. Can you hold a 23-year-old Manor Solomon's interest and give him a sense that he's going to get all the opportunities to play first-team football and live his dream at Fulham if that's the way we use him? Is he going to be no. satisfied with that? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Is he going and to so resign? that's why... I, I wouldn't have thought so, and that's that's. Uh, I was putting out as purely, you know, an idea. 
of how we could still get good use out of him without nullifying Willian and Deckard over Reed, which I think you know both need to be considered in this argument. Um, but you're right, I don't think that he would be happy with that as his role. I think he's he's better than that, and I think we would be underusing him massively if we only used him off the bench. But I can see that as an option. But can you imagine um, you got Bobby in the room at the end of the year or at the end of the season, and you've got Manor Solomon in the in the room. He's been in he's been in England for about five minutes. This is all mm-hmm. very new to him. He's had a massive injury and setback. He's come out of a war zone. He's had a difficult six months. Um, by all accounts, I was listening to uh, um, an interview with an Israeli journalist that was, a, was on Cottage Talk last week. I think his name is Uri Levy. It's really interesting. He was talking about how nice a nicer young man Manor Solomon is and um, how committed a professional athlete he is. And he's ambitious. You know, he's yeah. always wanted to play in the Premier League. And I think there's going to be a lot of people tapping him on the shoulder and saying, you're a, you're a Champions League football. He's already been successful at Champions League, Champions League uh, level, mm. right? So he's proving in very small moments that he's got the quality to score goals in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you've got the two of these players sitting um, in, in a room and having negotiations about contract extensions. I'm saying that if you played Bobby, purely from a man management perspective, if Bobby was your impact sub, I think Bobby re-signs and he'd be happy mm. with that. I don't think he's going anywhere. Manor, Manor Solomon, I'd be anxious about whether that would be perceived as enough and filling his cup. I think that's fair. And, you know, Deckard Overeed has already had his contract um, extended out to the end of next season. So he's he's locked in. So it is it is on Solomon at this point. It'd, it'd be interesting to see how we manage him for the rest of the season because I think we do need to give him more game time to make sure that he stays at Fulham. I think if we don't bet- give him the game time, we, we can't, we we can't promise anything to him, and he won't want to come. I, I bet you this is a really difficult situation for Marco Silva. Doesn't want to mess with the system which is working so well, and he's saying to Mano, "Oh, geez, I'm really concerned about your knee, Mano. Not sure about your fitness. You know, want to ease <laughs> you." I bet you he's managing it really, really carefully. I, I'd and say it's, it's probably... even harder than that for him because I'd say he's going, "Shit, I've got you know one of the best players in my squad." I can't put in the team at the moment because the team's playing too yeah. well. How do how everyone, do I get this bloke in? Yeah. And everyone everyone dreams about having those sort of riches and um, you know wonderful problems to solve, but it actually becomes a really difficult squad management problem because you're upsetting players who deservedly should be playing first team football and they want to. It's not mm. like, and 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 that's where Kenny's a bit different. He's He's kind of getting towards the end of his career. He's had a lot of injuries. And I think he's sort of made his peace with the fact that perhaps... Um, he understands his role a lot better than... Uh, and uh, his, his role is ten, a lot more 10, defined 11 years because older. of his age as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he's probably very happy. He's probably body-wise probably feeling, wow, if I can you know, have to play no more than 30 minutes or 40 minutes in the Premier League every week, this is my dream job. 
because I can and, have and high impact. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I was I was going to echo what you were saying. He, he comes off the bench and does a job, and he does it really well at a Premier League level. But yeah. he he doesn't fully fit the system we currently play and what we need from him. Um, so it, he's perfect as a bench player, and I think he understands that. And you know, he could go to a, a different club and and you know play a role that he'd prefer at a different club. But I think he loves Fulham. He's been there for such a long time now. Um, I think he's he's very happy in the position he's in coming off the bench. And, you know, he's he played up until his injury. He may, he featured in every single game of the season. So um, it's a different story, though. But we, we do have quite a few questions, so I will move on to the next one. Um, from Ash Fisher-Wolford, Ash W. Wolford on Twitter. With Brentford in mind and how important this is, as an, that is as an away game, not just the fact that they're a better side than Wolves, but also for the fact that it will be an intense game, do we drop Polina for this game to save him from suspension? Uh, Ash says, in my head, no matter what, he's missing the Arsenal game. Um, Dad, I, I did obviously cut off the conversation we were having before this about um, Polina being potentially rested. I've seen quite a few different opinions on this. Interested on on yours, what would you do? Considering with 24 games played, uh, he if he collects one card in the next eight games, he is out for two. What would you do? Well, I think we can all safely agree that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's realistically, uh, realistically. On, you know, the chances of it not happening are pretty slim. He's picked um, up on average a, a card every two and a half games so far this season. And what's worrying is that he's, unfortunately, he's a marked man. They're looking for yeah. him now. And, you know, last week was good evidence of that. It was a pretty harsh yellow card. It looked, you know, from from the long shot lens, it didn't look great. But when you actually mm. examine what happened, he he, 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 collect, he he obviously made contact with the man, but it wasn't um, his two-footed challenge didn't make contact with the man. Can I, can I say yeah. that in a way that doesn't sound terrible? No, absolutely. It looked awful, but it was actually uh, pretty benign. But mm. unfortunately, he he's now he's a mark man, and I, what I think is probably completely irrelevant. I think what we're trying to uh, work out is what is Silver going to do, and mm. does Silver put out his best team in the hope that we just continue to collect points? Back to our original conversation we were having about sitting in sixth position somewhat falsely at the moment. Do you keep running ahead of the pack, collecting points and putting them under pressure to come at you? Or do you try and tactically um, preserve Polinia for what you think are going to be six pointers um, and really, really important games down in the near future? Whew. I think, Jim, um, if you you know, if we asked that that question before the break, I think the answer, sorry, the, the the transfer window, the answer would be very very different. Now that mm. we've got Lukic, even though we haven't seen him, there must be a growing sense of uh, comfort that he can do a job. You know, in his very very brief cameo a couple of weeks ago. He looked pretty sharp, didn't he? He looked yeah. like he knew what he was doing. 
and he's and, had a couple of weeks under his belt since then as well. Yeah. So there's every sense that he can absolutely. He's not a Chalabar. He's you know he's he's a much more skilled, proven commodity than what we had as a backup before. So I think mm. I think the risk now, or the impact rather, of a Polinia missing a game or two, which is which is heavy and brutal for us, but Polinia missing two games, I don't think we're as exposed as we were a couple of months ago. And yeah. Maybe not. Not that I'm, I'm wishing it, but maybe um, we can we can deal with it. Maybe the impact is not going to be anywhere near as great as it would have been prior to January. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for me. I would just put out your best eleven at all times. He he's likely to pick up the card. I don't think you tell him to ease off. But at the end of the day. We're not going to protect him from getting a card for eight games. Um, yeah. If you look at how he's picked up some of the yellow cards as well, he's been booked for celebrating with fans, which was outrageous. He's been booked for making very good tackles, like the one at Brighton, where he got completely got the ball, got the man a little bit late, but really it was a good tackle. Um if if he just plays his natural game, he's going to pick up cards. And like you said, he is a bit of a marked man. So I think you just play him as long as you can. When we lose him, we put Lukic in, and hopefully Lukic does a good job. I, I was impressed by what I've, the little I've seen of him so far, but I think I, I think we just have to keep picking up points and play play him in games. There's no point in resting him for Wolves because Lukic comes in and you know. We, we can't guarantee that we're going to pick up points. And we do need points against Wolves, I think. I know we're saying save him for the Arsenal game or save him for the Brentford game, but um, it's more important to not drop points against Wolves than it is to not drop points against Brentford. Because if you drop points against Wolves and then you also drop points against Brentford because, um, you know, they're, they're up and around us, they're a team close to us in the league, why wouldn't you make sure you win the games against the teams miles below you and then, you know, chance your hand against the teams around you, hoping that you're of a similar standard and you could pull off a victory. I, I just think you have to play Polina at every possibility, possible chance you have. I, I think we're not going to be able to rest him for eight games and avoid those cards. And maybe it's a fact, it's a, we make a bit more of a point uh, of giving Lukic more minutes beforehand, knowing that Polina will be missing at some point soon. We try and blood him into the team a little bit more often and, and maybe bring off Polina. Um, if, let's say we're two 0 up against Wolves. You bring off Polina after sixty minutes and give Lukic a proper run out in that team, so that he starts to settle and understand how we play. Perfect. Yeah, let's. That, that would be a, a, a very, very good outcome. Um, and let's let's hope against lesser oppositions we get the opportunity to have that before he blows up. And mm. uh, and I think. To, to sort of round this out, I think we're in agreement that you play your best side, but the most important yeah. point is that in predicting what Marco's going to do, I think Marco plays his best side every time and then he manages 100%. he manages the fallout and if he can if he can successfully introduce uh, you know gradually introduce uh, Luke Kitchen, that that's perfect and and maybe in fact, um, Polina having a two-game ban as of next week, for example, 
is better than Polina having a two-game ban right at the crunch time at the end of the season or, or come 32 games or that sort of marker where you've got games that you really do need to win because you're keeping up with that European chase uh, and actually you want Polina to be available for those games and not so much the games that are happening now. If we don't have Polina for Brentford at Arsenal, I think that's actually not the worst result in the world because I think... Those are two games where we we potentially be looking at dropping points anyway, especially Arsenal. You you expect Arsenal will beat us in that game, so why not not have Polina and see if you can nick it without him? Um, it's it's a tough one, but I think Marco, like like we both said, Marco will go with his best eleven. Um, looking to the next question, this is Alex in our Fulham WA chat. Uh, what's your preference, win the FA Cup or qualify for the Champions League? Well, I know we both said we both responded both. Poor Kevin um, Lostos, yeah. Why not have both? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I think um, we, we've we've discussed this uh, quite a bit. You know, as we progressed down the uh, the FA Cup, we, we're getting close to the point where anything can happen, and with a bit of luck, we see ourselves. You know, with 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 Wembley in sight, I know that's mm. pretty big talking, but it's not far off. Um, it's only four games from where we're at now. Yeah. So would we would we love a cup run right to Wembley? Of course we would. It also gives us and an, a win, in in on that occasion, obviously gives us uh, a European You're spot right as well, league, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, Champions League. That's a dream that is probably a, a, it's a, it's a it's a couple of leaps away at the moment still that's it's it's by no means by no means an easy achievement from where we sit right now you know mm. jack and sam and i have all done the the premier league calculation what's that thing called where you um, uh, i can't remember the exact name of it but a table um, calculator the premier league table, table, calculator. table calculator yeah yeah, where you actually now go and uh, speculate as to what the results might be and see where you end up. And, you know, I don't think anyone in their right, sensible mind without 10 beers under their belt is going to pick Fulham to finish third or, or, or even fourth, you know. Um, so that's difficult. I picked us at sixth, by the way. I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, but... Um, would we love a Champions League spot? Of course we would. But I don't know that that's a realistic preference at the moment, which is something that is in our gift. It's it's actually a really good question, and it's a bit of a throwaway, what would you rather, win the FA Cup or qualify for the Champions League? But if you if you break it down, you win the FA Cup, you get in Europe. It's great. We've got a piece of silverware, which we don't have in our, our trophy cabinet at the moment, barring the Intertoto Cup. Um, so it would be, would be great to, to win the FA Cup and get that in and get to Europe. The, the interesting thing about the Champions League is the quality of players you can attract skyrockets because you, you offer those guys what everyone is searching for, which is Champions League football. And it, it would be... I mean, not just the fact that we'd be playing the Champions League and playing the best teams in Europe. It's actually the fact that we have the doors 
slammed wide open for us to pick up some of these incredible players from around the world who want to play in the Champions League and at the highest level. And the fact is now, if you finish fourth in the Premier League, you automatically go into the group stages. Didn't used to, You used to go into, into qualifying for the Champions League, which is very easy to get knocked out of. Now you go straight into the group stages. So you're guaranteed six games in the Champions League. Um, and we've seen what Fulham can do, a, a side that I would say is a legendary Fulham side, but probably not as good as the current Fulham side. We saw how far they went in Europe, beating incredible teams like Shakhtar, Wolfsburg, Juventus. Um, you know, it's it's anything can happen when you get into the Champions League. Uh, so it's it's a really interesting one, and I I'd probably pick Champions League just for that because I think once you get into the Champions League, doors open that don't open if you're in the Europa League. Obviously. Getting into the Europa League would be great, and you would attract some some good players to to the club. But Champions League, the money there is outrageous and insane. the um, The quality of players, though, I think that's what would really tip it for me because I think we'd pick up some absolute gems, and all of a sudden, you're not even having this conversation about Solomon anymore because he is obviously staying with us because you're playing Champions League football. Uh, and, sure. you know, what more does he want? He wants to play in the Premier League. Every player who plays in the Premier League wants to play in the Champions League as well. So it just makes sense. Sure. I guess, to, you know, take either. Look, to, quali- Happily. To, quali- to qualify my answer, and I think you did yours, I, I sort of took this question as not in your dream, as you close your eyes, <clears throat> what would you rather have? I'm thinking more from the perspective of from where we sit, what mm. would I rather go for <clears throat> and what is what is actually realistically achievable? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what's realistically achievable is the FA Cup. Um, Champions League is probably out of our reach at the moment, but it's, it's just crazy the fact that we can be having this conversation about either of them, considering last mm. year we were in the championship and at the start of the season we weren't 100% sure we'd be safe this year. So, anyway, great question from Alex there. Hmm. Um, Danny Baker FFC on Twitter. Do you think Mitre's form at the moment, as he hasn't scored in a while and currently has a slight injury, is anything to worry about? And who in our squad would be a backup, as after the Brighton game, Bobby, for me, couldn't do a job, although he gave it a good try? I think we've sort of covered this one already. Um, Do we think the injury is anything to worry about, though? Um. What's interesting is that we thought Mitro was carrying an ankle uh, in and around the World Cup and after it, and I, and I, I suspect he probably was because he looked off. Um, and Mitro is a bit injury prone, so it's 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 always a bit of a concern. I know I know he's considered to be one of the guys. He's he's probably the strongest one in the squad. He's always quoted as hanging around the gym and he, I know he works out. So he looks after his body. Mm. Um, but, you know, soft tissue injuries like that, not that Metro is explosive out of the blocks. Every, every sportsman needs, you know, healthy hamstrings. And they they are that, that kind of injury that tend to be reoccurring, particularly as players get older. And, you know, you start getting muscles which are pretty gnarly, and, and, and a bit torn up and very, very vulnerable to re-injury. Mm. And um, 
I, I think I think it is a concern, and you know you you never really know the full picture of what players are truly carrying. This could have been this could have been around for a while, and then he he's he's obviously injured it in in the warm up t- two games ago, but he played through it, and um, and now they've benched him or not 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 actually benched him. They've actually put him into rehab. So I think look, it is a concern that. We, we clearly do not have a fully functioning equivalent to Mitro. Notwithstanding Bobby, that was an experiment that didn't go well and Silver's admitted that and everyone picked it. So that's, that's really unlikely to happen again. So now we have, I think everyone's pretty comfortable that it's going to be Vinicius on the basis that, that um um, Mitra's still receiving treatment and is that a concern? Yeah it is a concern We, we, I think we've given appropriate levels of praise to Vinicius for what he's brought to in a couple of enormous moments uh, this season and w- one which probably takes him into the gallery of cult hero at Fulham against Chelsea But and, and, and his hold up play has been good so that's it allows us to continue playing in the style that we do with a looky-likey of Mitro up front. But his finishing is obviously nowhere near the quality. He just doesn't seem to have the game, the goals in him from, from open play. Maybe he's a better penalty taker than, than Alexander Mitrovic. Hmm. Mitrovic watch, who knows? Him, watch him score a hat-trick on the weekend after you said that. Yeah, wouldn't, um, wouldn't that be so good? But, yeah, it's, it is a concern to answer the question. It is a concern. Because whilst we have 12 score, goal scorers in our team, you know, Mitro on on fire. Um, look, if Mitro was on really on fire from now to the end of the season, maybe maybe Champions League could be a thing. Seriously, yeah. is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need to keep moving because we're running very yeah. long today. Um, yeah, 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 sure. But... but... Look, the, yeah, like you said, the f- form and injury are slight worries. I'm less worried about the form than I am about the injury. I think Mitro is a top-quality striker, scored over 100 goals for Fulham. He'll keep scoring goals for us. We, it's a it's a dry patch. Strikers have dry patches. I think he'll come back good. I think the injury is a little bit of an issue, but I think if we rest it, I'd rather him rest it. He probably won't play against Wolves. He probably also won't play against Leeds. That gives him till the 7th of March from today, um, which is almost, well, it's because he didn't play last week. He'll have three to three and a half weeks rest. Uh, I think that should be enough to get him up for the Brentford game and then the Arsenal game that follows and the Liverpool game that follows that. I'd rather have him for those three uh, than Great. push him to try and get out for the Wolves and the Leeds games. Um, and as you said, I think we've got, Vinicius going up front every time, even though he's not Mitro, he's better than Bobby as a striker, and I think he's given a fairly good account of himself a couple of times, and I think he's worth persisting with. And the fact that he's probably going to get a run of a couple of games now will do him a world of good as well. On to our last question. This is a bit of a silly one, and this is the one I won't call it silly because William's a, a very regular listener to the podcast. Um, William asks, who would win in a cage fight between our respective mascots, Billy the Badger, or I don't even know what the Wolves mascot is called, but he's a wolf. I did ask Sam because I know that this one was definitely for Sam. 
Um, Sam's comment. Um, well, firstly, he didn't know who Fulham's mascot actually was, which is poor from Sam. Um, Sam said, I feel like a wolf could F up a badger, but it's between two people. If it's between two people in suits, I'd back Billy the Badger every time. Um, so, yeah, I, Dad, who wins in a cage match? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, uh, if it's if it's two men, I'd back Fulham. But, yeah, <laughs> good, good question nonetheless, William. Thank you. I haven't seen William, unfortunately, on today's podcast, but I'm sure he'll listen again um, at some point soon. So... Look, it's been a long one today, but there's been a lot to discuss with a really big game coming up and some really good questions from our listeners. Oh, what's that? Oh, my phone's just started going off. Um, yeah, look, really enjoyed this one, talking through the Wolves game. I'm really looking forward to this game. It's going to be a tough one to get up for with it being, I think, a 4 a.m. start for us here in Perth, but um, it, it might be might be worth getting up for, seeing as it's Saturday morning the next day. So, um yeah, Dad, um, thank you for joining us on this one. Yeah, pleasure. Good. Uh, it's, um, I'm trying to work out what, what actually what the right formula is for keeping this under an hour and whether it's two or three. It doesn't seem to have an impact. We always seem to have such a lot to talk about, but oh, we I really seem enjoyed to it. Go, seem to go longer with two than we do with three, which is interesting. Mm. But there's, like, like we said, there's just so much to talk about. And, you know, when, when things are going well, there's even more to talk about because it's it's just enjoyable. Um, but look, thank you to everyone. I, just a quick mention to everyone who sent in questions, uh, to everyone who's listened along on the live stream and joined in today. Thank you very much. Um, our last few episodes of the podcast have been our most successful yet, and we really appreciate all the support. Uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, please make sure you do like and subscribe to it. Um, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, and then uh, the podcast is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere you get your podcasts. So and look, please we, share it with your friends. Absolutely. We really appreciate all the support and um, we'd love to keep this growing as well. We've uh, gone from having about 50 followers on Twitter to just shy of 300 now and uh, a couple of hundred subscribers to the podcast who, who listen in fairly regularly. So we do really appreciate all the support and, and please do keep sharing our content because it means a lot to us and it's the reason we do it as well. So look until next time, good luck to Fulham on Friday night and uh, let's try and get ourselves a win and push ourselves past that 40 point mark into European contention and come on you whites.